May 8, 2020, Being Small, Thinking Big. That I'd encourage you to go to johnsanders.com, click on the menu item, Podcasts, and go to the podcast page. You'll find topics, references, podcasts, articles, and stories, and all the links referenced in this particular episode. I can't wait to hear what you're all excited about. What do you got? I wasn't excited. I was getting you excited. (laughs) Well, I'm always excited. I mean, it's on my calendar. I'm always excited. I'm I'm always look forward to the calls with you. Always. Uh, I was thinking about when I was talking on the uh, earlier call with the two other folks. And one is uh, Eileen Cox is very is very up very exciting. She's very good. She's based in Massachusetts, so. And the other guy, whatever his name was, uh, was a, a fish. <laughs> he has a company, and he says he can't figure out why nobody's buying. And the number one, both she and I said, "Well, you're not selling. You're just yeah. making you giving them information and sort of letting it die." And so, yeah. anyway. We both had some comments on that. But, yeah, well, that's good. Do you like the call, though? Oh, it was very good, yeah. I'm not sure I'll be on it every week, but we'll see. Okay. So you, Did you did you sign up on her list so you get notified about it? Yes, yes. Okay, good. Good. So just so, just so you know, Eileen and I were, uh, did Mary's seven-week course in January. So, uh-huh. And I... And, uh, you know, I reached, you know, I said on the call, just book a something else session with me and I'll help you out because she's technically challenged and I'm happy to help her. Eileen is technically challenged? Yep. Yeah. Seems like a very nice person, though. She's great. So I was thinking back to uh, companies running out of money. Companies and, running uh, out of money. Is that our topic today? Sort of, yeah. We'll decide the topic when we get done because I've got about three things to combine <laughs> into one. But one of my chapters in my book is called Solutions Seeking Problems. And I discussed the fact that back when I was an engineer for General Electric, which was my first year out of engineering school, mm-hmm. most of that year was uh, spent in Schenectady, New York. I worked for the large steam turbine generator division. Good and... So I was in an engineering building, which was building 263, and the manufacturing was in 273. So it was about a 100-yard walk between them. Mm-hmm. And um, so one day I walked over to the uh, manufacturing, and the, the foreman had all of his workers standing around because these were big generators, great big things. And so mm-hmm. there was probably 25 or 30 people working on any one generator. And he's standing up there on the generator, and he has them all in front of him, and he's saying, well, guys, today we have our annual visit from the guys from the research and development lab. And they're here with their bag of solutions looking for problems. I said, <laughs> now, that is really interesting. And I said, so I didn't, it didn't sink in me all that much until several after graduate school. I worked for the CIA and I was in the advanced research and development group. And our job was to go out in industry and find new technologies and bring them back and adapt them for agency purposes. Mm-hmm. So we had contracts going. We actually put out money to have we come up with certain development points. Mm-hmm. And then we'd fund them. And then eventually it got to be where they was really heading toward operations. And then our management came through and said, okay, now you have to have operational support before you get more money. 
Hmm. So here I am, John Sanders, running around the CIA with my bag of solutions looking for problems. (laughs) (laughs) And it suddenly dawned on me, I'm one of those guys from the research lab. And this ain't fun. And then what it says is, what it said to me was, you have to stay close with your user when you're developing something so that you don't develop something that is in left field or is too advanced or is already behind and solved by other things that are available off the shelf. And this happens to a lot of small companies because most companies start because they got a great idea that they feel can solve a certain problem that either their their company management is not addressing or they see in the in the field. And so what happens to a lot of small companies is they spend all their money developing a product and then get there and nobody's beating the path to the door. You know, the old uh, build a better mousetrap and they'll come to the door. Well, that isn't true. And um, uh, the uh, but what happens is you build a better mousetrap and all you do is waste cheese. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but my, um, my thought is with small companies that this is really a dangerous, uh, dangerous road to go. And um, the uh, excuse me, that solution. See, that's in one of my articles, not not a chapter in the book. The chapter in your book I'm talking about is only the Pope could finance the Sistine Chapel. So I have my my uh, my preface is that one day after Michelangelo had been on his back painting those frescoes on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel for several what two years, something like that, however long they said, there was a day when Pope Ju- Pope Julius walks in, and here's Michael up on his scaffolding on his back, painting the frescoes. And the Pope says, uh, Mike, the money runs out in a month. Get it finished. So my guess is that there's one corner corner of the Sistine Chapel where the frescoes are much bigger than they are in the rest of the chapel. As Mike worked <laughs> backwards from the answer, the money runs out in a month, I'll be done in a month. And uh, that goes back to my theory about work expands to equal the time allotted for it. Is it from Parkinson? And all of a sudden there's Mike saying, my God, money runs out. I got to figure how big are these frescoes going to be so that I finish my job the day the money runs out. And so my, my corollary that goes on is, is that if you're going to develop a product, make sure you, number one, you don't run out of money before you finish it. And number two is to have the best way to do that is to develop it out of a company that already has cash flow. So now you mm. have the lifetime to complete the project so that you can introduce it and hopefully to the same customers that buy your services. And yeah. I remember one company, and this came home to roost also to me, I know exactly the year, it was 1981, 82, because it was the same year that IBM came out with their PC, uh, the first PC, which had 256K memory which is pretty good in those days. And yeah, uh, that's 250K. That's K, not megabytes or gigabytes. Right? And um, so I was an investor in a small uh, software company. And our genius software developer, Fred, had a beard that was about 12, 18 inches long. I don't remember, but he had a long beard. And um, so he's de- we we're developing he's, uh, his bridge product where it would play, you could play bridge on the computer. Because none mm-hmm. of that stuff was around in those days. <clears throat> and um, so we get the product done. He jams it all into 256K. Work, work, work to get it down to where the 256K memory was sufficient. 
put the box in it. We were ready to go to market, and Fred comes in. I mean, IBM then announces their new PC is 512K. And Fred comes in and says, yeah. oh, God, now I can get everything done the way we want it to do. i got to work on this. And her answer was, too late, Fred. We're, in a, we're going to market. You know the old thing? You go to war with the army you got, not the army you want. And that came home to roost. It didn't sell that well because very soon there were guys out which using the better memory. Whether they were better programmers than Fred, they had better memory and they built a better product. And they probably had right. more money to market than we did. So, yeah. And the company ultimately didn't make it because we pissed away all our money on that damn bridge, bridge product. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, it was fun. They were nice guys. It wasn't that much money, even for me in those days. Yeah. So I, I think about this and companies today, and you go around the Internet, and they've all got products for this and products for that, products for the other. It's going to be a big world and a big market, but they all can't make it. And right. the ones that can make it are the ones that can hang in there and keep the marketing going. Well, yeah, and given the situation with the pandemic right now, there's a whole lot of businesses that are starting to close. They're just not going to make it. Well, and, and those what that I can, are going to make it are cutting back everywhere, which means yeah. they aren't spending money wildly either. So, yeah. um, But it's um, pretty obvious to me from all the reports and all the information I get that it's the big companies that are you know are in a position to dominate after this of is Of course, all always. Always. Yeah. That's yeah. why today you buy the QQQs on the uh, New York Stock Exchange, which is the 100, lar 100 largest tech companies in one mm. ETF. Mm. In fact, if you look at their portfolio, 60% of it is, guess what? Apple, uh, Microsoft, Google, Alphabet. It's Amazon. Amazon, Alibaba. Alibaba in China. Like three times the size of Amazon. I own, I own some Alibaba. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not. They don't market much. I don't know whether they market U.S. or not. Maybe they market under certain other things, but they don't market as Alibaba for certain. But, well, no. Uh, it was, yeah, a year or so ago when I was doing the water filtration stuff, somebody said, "Oh, I can get out an Alibaba for this," and I go, "What do you mean? You can, we don't sell to them." And I, I I didn't know too much about them, but they just they like Amazon just suck up everything, you know. So they make yeah, everything yeah. available. Yeah, they may not have a product in stock, but they'll sell it <laughs> and deliver it in <laughs> ten weeks. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm actually waiting for a lithium battery for my ThinkPad because it's ten years old, and you know I'm getting a new computer, but I'm still going to keep it running. And when I went to order it, it was like the battery was six ninety five, and the shipping was like twelve ninety five, and it's going to take about ten weeks. Guess where it's coming from? It has to get on a slow boat from China. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, good. Well, that's a good story. So I got to tell you, you know, I posted a little snippet on LinkedIn. You might want to check it out. I tagged you in it. And uh, just go check it out. It's a little little video gram of what we did last week. And um, I basically titled it, um, Women, uh, Women are Better Salespeople. John Sanders Tells You Why. Oh. And I got, I, they liked it. They loved it, whatever. But it's really true. I mean, that... Last Friday, that whole thing just really sunk into me. It's absolutely true. Put you behind eight ball already, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. So what else is going on? Do you want to cut this off? or? Well, let me, uh, uh, let me give you another one. We'll cut that off. That's a nice short one, okay? Okay, good. <clears throat> because you brought it up, and I have a, I have a article, one of my articles, called Being Small, Thinking Big. Uh-huh. So... 
I said, is it true the real innovation and job creation in this nation's in the hands of the small companies? Does small mean less than 500 employees or under 5 million in revenues? Does a company graduate from small to large or is there a vast expanse of adolescence? Can a large company be entrepreneurial? So I say that a general distinguishing trait of technology-driven companies, which is why I love them, is their belief that there's no limit to their growth. That's the difference. You, you, on one end of the spectrum is a technology company that says, I can grow unlimited. And the other end is a local pizza shop that's feeding his family, and that's all he cares about is that 500 square foot or 2,000, whatever it is. So they're not mm-hmm. denom- the, the small companies aren't denominated by walls. Dominated by walls are land, traffic patterns, and real estate taxes. Knowledge-based personnel, products, and services don't have ceilings on their thinkable. It's also why such a new invention as the Internet. This was new back then. It's 1995 I wrote this article. Mm. 25 years ago? Holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, why a yeah. new invention, the Internet, not only doesn't threaten these companies, but instead is generating a whole new era of business opportunities. So you yeah. would think that they, that they step on each other's toes, which was another one of my saying is you can't step on it. You can't step on somebody else's toes because the toes are too far apart. And that goes back to my first days on the job selling typewriters door to door. Yeah, typewriters. And oh my uh, gosh. more than 25 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how yeah. About, uh, how about 50 years ago? And wow. or 55 years ago. So, but I, I, I had the zone manager for Kentucky Typewriter Company come down to where I lived. And uh, I already had a Remington Rand typewriter, which was the big deal for me. But the quiet writer, portable. And, uh, you know, they were expensive, $135 in 1955. That was like $1,000 by today's standards, I'll yeah. bet, right? And you know why? Yeah. Because they had all those mechanical parts. They had all those keys, mm. each one independently. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> he's, he gets me out front and he says, now, on the street, he says, now, how many houses on this street? I don't remember, but I said probably 250. He said, trust me, there are 225 legitimate no's. Don't waste your time with them. Go yeah. on to the 25 that are logical uh, buyers. Spend your time on them. And then he said, now, when you finish with these 250, what happens? I said, well, because you go to the next street and you go to the next street. You don't step on anybody's toes. You just keep going to another street. So... Um, the, uh, the thing going back to my, uh, uh, kind of write up, remember it's 25 years ago. I brought to the point that the publication that we did at the time that I was the chairman and CEO of called Washington technology dealt with the tech companies around the nation's capital. And we published a list of the fast 50 growing companies, which are of course tech companies. And generally it helped to have your first of your five years be very small. Cause then you had a better opportunity to have a big fifth year. So it was first year of the fifth year. And um, without going through the numbers at the time, he said uh, the um, the number one company in 1990 had 138,000 in revenues. You had to have a 50,000 minimum. And in 1994, had 24 million. That's 17,312 percent growth. I didn't wow. use and I didn't use compounded because I wanted a bigger number. So yeah. 17,000 a hell of a lot bigger than 2,000. Yeah. So 
In systems integration, professional technical services dominated the list. So the other fields, telecommunications, software, network equipment, computers, and systems engineering. These are the big big things in D.C. Yeah, area. I remember. I remember. But here's the interesting thing I was going to bring up. <clears throat> in the 1995 list, one company that was had been on the list several years ago <clears throat> was back on the list. Guess who? You'll never guess. America Online. That oh, was a really? DC company. Yep. That's why That was I a DC a, company? Yeah. Wow. That's why I have my email address and my AOL email address, which I don't use very much. Yeah. I got in nineteen ninety two. And nineteen ninety two, my gosh. <laughs> and I remember calling up AOL, I had a problem with something. And uh, the gal on the other end says, Let me look up your account. And she comes back on lunch and she says, I've never seen that date on an account. I said, well. You've never seen the what? The date when I started, 1992. Oh, 1992. Oh, really? This is probably 2010. She said, I've never seen that date. And I said, well, I got that email address before it was America Online. And um, so, but AOL had come back very, very strongly. And that year was doing $104 in business. That's not wow. that much yep. compared to what they did three years later. In 1990, right. they were 17 million, so they had a nice growth. Right. But the the move from one to the other, I say these computer these companies go through an adolescence, where the founding entrepreneurs must develop secondary layers of management that can put in place the operating principles to take advantage of the momentum in a big company. So if the innovative enthusiasm can be maintained then the result will be an entrepreneurial big company that embraces new technology and combines them with marketing power to drive continued growth. That's what you got to do. Yeah. So thinking entrepreneurial is the answer. So taking innovation as a challenge and new market opportunity, not as a threat is the spirit that drives the most successful companies. You look at, you look at it at map Apple today. They have introduced a whole batch of new products. And by the way, it looks like their 5G phone is going to be out in the fall, just in time yeah. for their November introduction. I was reading an article. Are you going to get one? Are you going to get one? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll be, well, let me know if you want be, to get rid of your... I won't be standing in line on the first day, but I'll be there a week later. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let me know if you want to sell me your other phone, only because... I need an iPhone. I'm on Android, but I need an iPhone to check some things. Yeah, well, the the trade-in value is nearly zero, so um, I'll I'll be looking for offers. Okay, good. Good, good, good. (laughs) I'll put it out for bid. So, John, I have a question for you. Yeah. You ever hear – I know know what the answer is, but did you ever hear of a company called 3Com? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whatever happened. I invested in one. I had some stock. Yeah, I know. When I was doing IT work for Coca-Cola back in the – Oh, I guess that was uh, 90s, something like that. Everything was 3Com. I yeah. have no idea what happened to them. I don't know. They might be part of yeah. Cisco now. My daughter works at Cisco. Yeah. And they're growing, yeah. they're, they're back growing by, by, weeds, by weeds now. Yeah. Yeah, good. And they yeah. own WebEx, by the way. So I'm going to try WebEx for the next my next uh, uh, Zoom meeting. Oh, yeah? I guess Zoom has become like Xerox now. So, uh, I mean, oh, it's, I just, know. It's, a, it's a generic term. All right. Well, listen, I'm going to go install a new computer. You know, my computer's been shutting down like five times a day, and I just, it's hard to get anything done. So anyway, because every time it shuts down, I have to go check integrity of files. It's crazy. So anyway, 
Well, what kind of computer are you playing with? Well, I have an old, uh, I have a 10-year-old ThinkPad Lenovo X201, which I absolutely love. Okay, you still got an operating system for it? Well, it's on Windows 10. Oh, I had to it upgrade is. And, well, it's on 10. Get, yeah. You had enough memory for it then? Eight gigabytes, but eight's not enough. No. That's why I had, part of the reason I had to get this new computer and part of the reason it was shutting down because because the processor and memories working really hard, That's swapping right. out constantly the hard drive, and the computer heats up, and then it bangs, shuts down because it gets too hot. But that ThinkPad is an awesome machine. I'm going to convert it into a Chromebook, actually. <laughs> so anyway, but it's not a priority. So, but your new computer is shipped to you now, right? It's sitting outside my door, evidently. Oh, okay. Go put it together. Yep. That's, that's my thing. If you've been through 20 other guys, come to me. I put together Heath kits 60 years ago. So did I. <laughs> I put together a Heath kit color television. Oh, no. Not me. It took three months. When, when I finished engineering school, we had courses on color TV, one course. And when we finished, all of us guys got together and said, we know exactly how to fix a color TV set. Something goes wrong, you pull the knobs off and put a new set in behind them. Yeah. <laughs> well, it turns out that's, yeah, that's what we do now. Do yeah, that's yeah, exactly I what know. we do now. No, Nobody fixes a TV. You junk it. No, no, I know. So I went and bought nice. a 55-inch Samsung. Nice. I still got three inches on either side, and I paid $430 for it. I know, I know. Don't tell me. I mean, that's ridiculous. I remember when they're like five grand. Oh yeah, for something like that, you know. <laughs> Four hundred. Yeah, that's all bucks. changed. That's incredible. Yep. So tell me about how you can tell a lot about a person from his handshake. You know, a handshake is is generally emotional in the sense the person really means it. They kind of. It's not just squeezing mm-hmm. hard. There's a personality to the to the hand. Mm-hmm. And you can mm-hmm. feel it when that person's serious, or he's just shaking hard, or or there, or it's not a heaven forbid a limp fish. But um, uh, <laughs> and you generally look in their eyes when you're shaking hands. You know where else you yeah. look at the hands? So yeah, so it's, it, there's a level of sincerity. Yeah. you can tell. Right? That's part of my, yeah. goes back to our last recording where the the uh, young ladies. I said a strong handshake and a smile, and you're eighty percent of the way there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, for men, you kind of have to really screw it up. For men, a nice handshake and a twinkle in your eye will get you there too. All right, good, John. Well, let's do this again next week. Do you have Friday at two o'clock free, or what do you got? Probably, I can't imagine. Okay, I'll I'll contact you next week after I get this computer thing done. Make money. Make money. Actually, make lots of money. Even better. Mucho. Yeah. Mucho money. Dinero. Okay. Take care. All right, John. See ya.